The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half. This is mini-episode 42.5. Yes, these are the episodes where we get into the nitty-gritty details found in the magazine, the fine print, and everything else, finding the laughs, finding the fun that we didn't have time to cover in the main episode, and what a main episode it was. Totally awesome to have Michael and Steven back in the fold. It's been a while. The camaraderie was still fresh and fun, and uh, lots of laughs on that episode. Looking forward to episode 43 and sharing that with y'all, but looking forward to sharing with you all the awesome stuff that we have packed into this magazine. So let's start out as always with my favorite, Cap's Kooky Contests. All right, so the first contest this time around is 1001 Comic Book Challenge, Read em and Weep. So you see a giant stack of comics topped by an issue of Flaming Carrot, which ain't bad. But on the next page, it tells you 1001 Dalmatians, woo-ah! How'd you like to own 1001 of the best comics of all time? We're talking the cream of the crop, the best of the best, the issues that made the comic book medium great. So what issues do you win exactly? Hang on to your hat, fanboy, because here we go. Yeah, so I will tell you here that this list literally takes up two columns and an entire page. So it looks like there is some good stuff in here, like Batman the Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns and Bone issues 1 through 17, although it says issues 1 through 3 aren't first prints, so they, those were already collectibles by this point. The Punisher miniseries 1 through 5, so some of my personal favorites, Radioactive Man number 1 through 6, and Robin, the ongoing series number 0 through 12. There's lots of cool stuff in here. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 1 through 6. Again, not first prints. What do you think we're made of? Money over here? And uh, even Exo Man of War 0, 14, 15. And finally, Zoro number 1 through 10. Woo! So here's the deal. You want those books? You gotta earn them. What we want from you is to spread the word of wizard, and we don't mean just putting up flyers in a comic store. Oh no. You gotta think of something powerful, and you gotta put it someplace where more than just comic fans will see it. We're talking banners, a mural, hell, a parade would kick butt. To be clear, the more original, outlandish, and effective, i.e. making sure people understand from your promotion that wizard is a kickin' magazine about comics, your campaign is the stronger your chances of taking home all them books. Important warning, be creative, but don't do anything that is illegal or endangers you or anybody else. If you do send in an entry that looks like it was in any way dangerous or against the law, you will be disqualified. Don't say we didn't warn ya. And so there's actually a picture of a dog here, and the caption reads, the reason why the grand prize is in a thousand and two comics. And you see the dog has shreds of paper in its mouth and there is a ripped up comic down below. It says, this comic sucked. Uh, so after you've done doing whatever it is you did, wow, talk about your verb usage, take several color photographs of whatever it is you've done, no Polaroids and focus, damn it. Fill out the entry coupon below, slap it all in an envelope and mail the whole thing off to the 1001 Comics Contest. It's a pretty open and pretty Pretty fun explanation of the contest there. I'm very curious to find out what they report back on in a couple issues, what people actually decided to do to get the word out. But now it's time to check out the less than a thousand and one word fine print. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, their immediate families, and whoever it was that decided that the scene from the novel Jurassic Park where the T-Rex chases the raft down river shouldn't be in the movie? That was like the scariest scene in the planet! Entries deemed by the contest judges to be illegal or dangerous will be automatically disqualified. Oh, and the scene where Nedry, the fat guy, gets eaten? In the book, it's like a million times worse! Yuck! <laughs> so they were really odd, a Jurassic Park kick, a couple years after the movie had come out, and... 
I guess they were just getting to the book then, whoever was putting this together. But yeah, 1001 Comics. And when we post this on social media, I'm sure you'll see a lot of stuff you either have in your long box or wish you did. But now on to the next one. Are you ready for the Hanukkah Sonic Boom? Anyway, this is the Super Street Fighter, and it just says, Own the Streets. With your own Super Street Fighter arcade game? Screw the home game systems, this baby's the real deal. Hell, not only can you cut school and play it non-stop, but you can even make a couple of bucks by charging your loser friends to play. Here's how to win. Shown here are eight of the stars of Universal's film Street Fighter, opening December 23rd. Take a good, close look, because these headshots are also scattered throughout the rest of this issue of Wizard, and it's your job to find them. They could be anywhere. Cover, poster, features, price guides, except these three contests pages. And don't forget to catch Universal Street Fighter flick opening December 23rd, 1994 and starring Mr. Tough Guy, Jean-Claude Van Damme. The grand prize as you can imagine is a Super Street Fighter arcade game. This is it baby, one of the coolest games ever made. All yours and best of all no quarters required. Once you've spotted all eight Street Fighter heads, fill out the coupon below and mail it off to Street Fighter Contest. So yeah I mean every kid wanted to own a Street Fighter arcade cat Cabinet, I'm sure. And the eight that you had to find were Blanca, Kami, M. Bison, Ryu, Chun-Li, Sagat, Guile, and Zangief. All right. And this is one of those things, you know, a while back we had the whole deal with find the blank man contest. I couldn't quite figure that out. But luckily I was able to find all eight of the Street Fighter characters. I'm actually a fan of this movie now. I saw it in theaters, was very disappointed like everybody else. But now I own two copies on VHS and the Blu-ray. It's just a goofy good time. So if you wanted to enter this contest, Blanca is on page 6. He's actually part of the masthead. Ryu is on page 18 as part of the Wizard News. Uh, Chun-Li is on page 109 in the card price guide. And Zangief is on page 116 as part of the top 10 heroes and villains. And then on page 120, you'll find Guile. Sagat is on page 122. And finally, Kami on page 130. Uh, Kami, she was my favorite part of Street Fighter the movie The Game. They shot it with real actors uh, like in Mortal Kombat doing the moves and I always thought they put Cammy in her correct outfit in the game which she never wears in the movie. So I was like, alright, I'm digging it. Now let's take a look at the fine print here. It says, contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Universal Studios, their immediate families, and anybody out there who plays Street Fighter by doing nothing but triple quadruple hit combos. Do you have any idea how annoying it is fighting you and so it should be mentioned also wizard staffers mentioned this a lot on social media as well as uh, it's mentioned in the magazine but they played a lot of video games together and when these arcade cabinets would come in they would test them out and have tournaments before they handed them off to people which i don't know for better or for worse they are tested they've been touched by the wizard staff if that's something you're into now next bit of fine print Offer void were prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof. That chick playing Chun-Li is a primo babe. Oh, come on, guys. Come on! Ming-Na Wen is a national treasure. Sure, she's attractive, but I know her from the single guy, by the way. Anybody remember that Jonathan Silverman sitcom on must-see TV NBC Thursdays? I know I do! All right, well, let's move on to the next contest. Now, this one's gonna make your stomach turn. This is called Fun with Meat. Pit creator Dale Keown, sculptor Claiborne Moore, and your buds over at Wizard Press want you to receive a limited edition bronze pit statue and at the same time lift the shackles that bind your creativity. Say what? Relax, we'll get to that in a second. First, here's what you can win. Meat! Well, actually that's just Pit lunging at the reader shouting meat. The grand prize? A limited edition bronze statue. Only 20 of these babies exist on the whole freaking planet. Standing a monstrous 12 and a half inches tall depicting Dale Keown's Pit, that monstrous no-nosed alien from Image Comics, it's sculpted by the incomparable Claiborne Moore. Second prize, a 12-inch painted pit scat stat eh, a 12-inch painted pit statue. Ah, try saying that three times fast by Claiborne Moore. Only 2,100 of these were made. And third prize, a more sculpted pewter minifigure of Pit, plus an issue of Pit autographed by Dale Keown. So, how do you win these little treasures? Simple. Meat. And plenty of it. Get lots and lots of meat and show us what kind of sculptor you are by using only minor non-meat items, popsicle sticks, pencils, etc. For frames, sculpt your very own pit 
from Spam, olive loaf, wieners, or whatever other luncheon meat is laying around the fridge. Heck, even decorate it with hair, toothpick teeth, or whatever else floats your boat. Just make it look cool. And yeah, so there is just this picture of meat. You know, you got hot dogs, you got some ground up something or other, and uh, bacon, and yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. There's actually ants crawling across the bacon like a bridge, and they say, hey, do you think this stuff is kosher? And then it says here, then take several clean, clear, in-focus color photographs, no Polaroids, of your creation. Fill out the pit coupon below and mail your entry. Just the photo of coupon, please. Do not send the meat. Off to pit contest. Move it, mister. This contest expires, and so does all that meat. P.U. On March 31st, 1995. Now, the meaty fine print here. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Image Comics, Claiborne Moore, their immediate families, and hey, whatever the hell happened to Sizzlian? You know, why sizzle fat when you can sizzle in? That stuff ruled. I remember a lot of TV commercials from back in the day, and I assume I was pronouncing that wrong. It looks like sizzlean, you know, because you're trying to stay lean by sizzling out the fat, much like George Foreman would tell us to knock out the fat. But, uh, sizzlean, huh? Hmm, must have missed it. All right, on to the next bit of fine print here. Offer void were prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof. When you're done sculpting it, barbecue your pit statue. Or if you're Irish, boil it. Mmm, good. <laughs> this is another one where I cannot wait to see the results, and frankly, only Wizard would have come up with something this nonsensical. It's going to be fantastic. All right, next up, right here, we got the best of Boris. Hey, how'd you like to be the subject of Boris Vallejo's next painting? Yeah, no kidding. Well, Comic Images and Wizard Press have teamed up to bring you one kicker of a contest, and here's what you can win. So there is a picture of a super buff barbarian dude, you know, just in his loincloth and furry boots with an axe and then a, a bikini babe with a big sword and it says place your mug here their faces are whited out and the grand prize is explained as one lucky winner and a parent or guardian if under 18 will be flown to new york city where he or she will be photographed by famed fantasy illustrator boris vallejo with a photo to be used as the basis for one of boris's paintings plus the winner will receive an original signed lithograph of this painting and an uncut sheet of comic images best of boris trading card series also signed by boris himself second prize an uncut sheet of the best of boris trading card series third prize an uncut omnichrome press sheet which just happens to be a really neat looking card set with crystal like shine fourth prize a really cool t-shirt courtesy of comic images now if you guys know anything about boris vallejo he was doing a lot of marvel trading card series during this time so it only makes sense that he would say i should get a series of my own i guess but here's what they go on to explain so how do you win simple just answer the three boris trivia questions below hint looking through the cards in the best of boris set should help you out immensely and if you can get them all right boom you're on your way all right so here's the questions for all you boris vallejo fans out there duck questions number one in what city and country was boris offered a full scholarship to study art at the age of 16 number two other than fan Fantasy illustration, what other endeavor, pastime, inspires Boris to great heights? Number three, Boris Vallejo is married to what other famous fantasy painter? Well, my mom actually had a collected works of Boris Vallejo hardcover. It was in her office, her studio. She actually was an artist herself. I thumbed through it, mostly for the scantily clad women. But number three is the only one I know because it's been mentioned often here in the pages of Wizard the last few issues. Boris Vallejo's wife was Julie Bell. But doesn't look like I'd be in any way closer to winning the contest. But there's also a picture of Boris and it has a word balloon that says, hey, I'm Boris Vallejo. Enter this contest or I'll pound you like a tent stake. And they say, when you've completed all that and filled out the official Boris entry coupon below and attached a photocopy of the document proving that either you or a guardian is 18 or older, mail that bugger off to. And so here's the fine print they're calling legal jargon. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Comic Images, Boris Vallejo. Come on, he's gotta know the answers. Their immediate families, and especially that Hank Rose character. Watch that guy, he's cagey. Hank Rose? Anybody? Gonna have to fill me in on social media geeks all right next one here is offer void where prohibited regulated or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof hmm i wonder if you have to pose naked 
Ah, nah. <laughs> Good consideration when you're getting painted by Voris Vallejo. All right, on to the next one. This is actually really interesting because in the previous issue 41, there was actually an ad, like a full page ad saying, oh, you know, there's a quest coming next issue. It was showing this collection of books and CD-ROM and stuff for a game called First Quest. So that is a first quest contest that we're going through here. It says, don your armor and loosen your sword because your buddies at TSR and Wizard are teaming up to send you into the unknown with nothing but your wits and some good hit points to face all sorts of big freaking monsters. Grand prize, nine adventurers beat the odds and stride off with a box set of TSR's first quest, complete with audio CD, adventure maps, gaming miniatures, and all the neat stuff you need to lop off dragon's heads and swipe some booty. So, who do you have to squish with a Bigby's crushing hand to win? Nobody. All you gotta do is fill out the official first quest entry coupon below, then mail the whole thing off. Now we're gonna get into ye itty bitty legal crap. <laughs> so it says here, contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard, Press, TSR, their immediate families, and all of them no good drow scumbags, except Drizzt. He's a nice drow. Uh, I am not a tabletop gamer. The one time I did role-playing games with my friends, they kicked me out after one campaign. So unfortunately, I'm not well-versed in all this stuff. Maybe a Dungeons and Dragons character? I don't know. All right, next up here. Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof. How bad must hobbit feet smell? Eh, it's a good question. It really is. And on to the final contest this issue. Oh, I can't believe it. It's Cap's kooky contest, and this is the Captain America contest. Says here, winning original Captain America artwork and 10 free subscriptions to your favorite Marvel comics could be in the stars. Part of Marvel's Captain America month celebration. But you've got to earn your stripes if you want to win it big. Seven questions await your fevered fanaticism. Answer them correctly and you'll automatically be entered into a drawing to receive one of 10 subscriptions to Captain America for one whole year. All entries will also be entered into a grand prize drawing where you can win a subscription to Captain America plus your choice of nine other subscriptions to any Marvel comics and a full page of original art from an upcoming issue of Captain America. Second prize, Captain America Marvel Masterworks signed by Stan Lee, a subscription to Captain America plus your choice of three subscriptions to any Marvel comics. And third prize, Captain America Marvel Masterworks signed by Stan Lee. Here's what I'm going to say. The second and third prizes of getting the Marvel Masterworks signed by Stan Lee probably would net you more money now than that whole year's run of Captain America on the secondary market. I'm just saying. So going on here, and if you know Cap, it's a snap. Just fill out the entire coupon, including all questions and vital info, stuff it in an envelope, and send it to Captain America Contest. All right, so here are the questions. You ready, Captain America fans? Michael claims to be a Captain America reader. I wonder if he remembers any of this. So number one, name the top secret project which transformed Steve Rogers into Captain America. Hmm. Ah. Hmm. Number two. Which World War II villain continues to be Captain America's greatest enemy today? Well, Red Skull. Number three. Where did Captain America go after Bucky's death near the end of World War II and before he went into suspended animation in the frigid waters of the North Atlantic? Oh, there was something that happened in between? Interesting. Number four. What current superhero was appointed by the commission to replace Rogers as Captain America after he had resigned? Well, I know that's the U.S. agent. Hey, that's about all I know about Captain America history from this era. Number five, name the real identity of the hero from question number four. Okay, but we just saw him on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I should know this. Y -y Walker, John Walker, I think. Anyway, here we go. Number six, what team is Captain America currently affiliated with? Well, you know, US agent was on Forceworks, so I assume he's still with the Avengers? Hmm. Number seven, which two heroes are attempting to pull Captain America out of the coma he is currently in? Wow, now that was too current for the time. No way I could tell you that. But if you know, we want to hear about it. In the fine print here, it says, uh, da 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 da. Contest open to US residents only, except employees of 
of Marvel Entertainment Group and Wizard Press, any affiliated companies, promotional and advertising agencies, and their families are not eligible. All entrants grant to the sponsor's permission to use the name and likeness in advertising and promotion for the contest. Interesting. Winners will be blah, 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 blah. All right, so as I'm reading through this, the reason I'm like, there's nothing, there's no jokes here. I think because it was a Marvel-sponsored contest, they didn't want any inappropriate jokes in their fine print. I'm sure their legal department was like, keep it straight, straight-laced and straight-edged, just like Captain America. So I guess it's fitting that there are actually no jokes in the fine print of the Captain America contest. But there you go, guys. Cap's kooky contest. Let's check out what we have next. Oh, yes, it's time for... For Robin's Reading Rainbow. This time around, ooh, we got a doozy of a comic series to talk to you about, but I couldn't do it alone. Oh no. We had to call out a favorite guest, Mr. Chris Bailey, aka Charlton underscore hero. How you doing? Oh, you had to bring up the underscore, of course. How am I doing? <laughs> I'm I'm looking back. I wish I had a time machine, Adam, and I would go back to the time when somebody said that drying sexy women in comics was a bad thing. I would like to stop that person, Adam. Because because what I just read, I want more of. That's all I'll tell you. Interesting. I'm burying the lead here, brother. Yes. Now, in our recent issues that we've been covering on the podcast, we've been talking all about the bad girl craze. They are climbing up the charts not only the top ten comics list, but the top ten heroes and villains. And so, we have a very interesting case of, is she a bad girl or is she not? Oh, yes. We've already said her name. It's she. From the start she, she said she'd never hurt me But then she turned around And broke my heart <laughs> William Tucci's she, better known as Billy Tucci to most, even on the interwebs, he calls himself Billy. So he is a guy we talked about in uh, episode 42 that came around, he was trying to get in the door at DC and things like that, and ultimately decided, I'm going to take this movie script I wrote, I'm going to turn it into a comic, and he was surprised by the excitement that was created by the release of this face-painted female samurai warrior, the miniseries the first four issues we're going to be talking about is she the way of the warrior so chris i gotta talk to you back in 1994 when she was released did you have any idea of what this comic was about back in 94 you you got to see the explosion you know they teased a little bit of it in in the late 80s where you know women got progressively hotter and you know anatomy began to stretch in all different areas proportions became ballooned in certain areas Uh, you know it was an exciting time in comics especially for some of the uh, some of the male readers but boy I was not prepared for she you know it was one of those things that and we'll get in a little bit later how I discovered she but man you know I, I was all about uh, you know the sexy ladies in the comics early on <laughs> as a teenage kid it's kind of hard right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oops wait little devil entendre there was not going there man holy cow censorship. But yeah, so I will tell you, you know, I was not deep into the bad girl craze. Like, I saw the books on the shelves, yes. and I specifically saw She as a wall book, like from the moment right. it came out, and it was very lushly illustrated. I just looked at it, and I saw, oh, it's that art I always see, you know, whenever my mom goes to the salon to get her nails done, this is what is painted on the glass of the salon, and then I see it on the Duran Duran album covers and things like that from back in the day, but I never really wanted wanted to read it. I was just like, I know everybody's excited about this, but it doesn't seem like my kind of book. And so as we've been talking about it so much, it keeps coming up in the pages of Wizard and they're saying it's different. It's not like every other bad girl book. There's more to it. We got to dig into the world of She and find out what it's all about. Now, uh, Chris, had you read it at all before I invited you uh, out to talk about it? Oh my goodness, yes. So so the original She, you could not avoid it in Wizard. You know what I mean? If you were reading Wizard comics or, uh, you know, 
the comics price guide or whatever, you always knew that they had this, you know, top 10 hot books. And my God, she was there, it seemed like forever. So, of course, I didn't buy it on its release date. I waited, you know, of course, when it was ridiculously expensive and someone tried to, you know, gouge me for $10, $20. (laughs) So so I picked up the first, I think it was the first five, missed a couple, and then I grabbed the ending. So, you know, it was that middle ground there in that 12-issue run originally that I missed out on. But I recently reread all that stuff. So I'm well up to date on the she, but I can thank wizard the price guide for giving me my introduction to she well this is great because i'm excited to hear your perspective of having read it then and how it is simmered with you and then kind of (laughs) checking back in with the world of she now like i said i i was not familiar at all so i went and grabbed the trade which is the first trade that came out which is the she way of the warrior there was like an updated version that came out later i don't know what's different about it but i just said i want to get it in its purest form i'm not gonna probably buy the original issues but let me just get the story as it's laid out here so the first thing i think it's important to explain to those who are like me and we're not into the she comic book is that she is not the character's name necessarily. The character's name is Anna Ishikawa, but she is this symbol that she has kind of attached herself to, which is the Japanese word or character for death. Ooh, how 90s. Wow. <laughs> well, Lady Death was big, and then Death from the Sandman comics. All the ladies wanted to be associated with Death back then. There's a whole lot of dying going on in those <laughs> 90s. But yeah, she it, they don't really come out and say what her actual superhero name is, which is really, really weird. You know, it comes up within the script, you know, the she killing. Right. Which means the death killings, which makes no sense at all. Of course they're dead. <laughs> they're killed. Well, before the name she entered the picture, I think it's worth mentioning that in the back of this trade, Billy Tucci has included some original sketches, just like the designs for the character. And originally, she was being referred to as Katana. Okay? In (laughs) in 1991, yeah. And so she had a much, uh, I mean, an even skimpier costume, if you can imagine, is what she was being portrayed with. And she also had a red dot over her eye from the perspective of like, oh, like the Japanese flag, right? You know, you have the the red dot on white. And so she looked very much like Domino. It was kind of like Domino and Psylocke mix. That that was this katana character. I can't believe they were gonna, you know, call her katana. <laughs> I mean, somebody didn't do their copyright homework at that time. If they were gonna call her katana, heaven. <laughs> DC's gonna come after you. <laughs> I'm sort of glad they shied away from the red dot on the white face too. You know. Yeah. You know, if you're going stereotypical, that's that's pushing the uh, the embers there, my friend. Yeah, better just to keep that kabuki makeup kind of yep. look. And of course, eventually there was a character just called Kabuki, which I'm sure is jumping <laughs> on the the she train but uh, so i'm curious with the character of anna ishikawa as she's presented in the book what is your take like did you find her compelling do you feel like drawn into her particular pathos you know the deep dark secret that she's dealing with <laughs> this is the uh, the charles bronson death wish story all over again <laughs> they they killed my wife and they killed my daughter and i'm coming to get you You know what I mean? So her father is murdered, and same with her brother, dies tragically. And, of course, she spends her life dedicating herself to get revenge, trains herself in the way of the warrior, and then unleashes a war upon gangland. Did I think it was great heavy literature? No, of course not. It's a pretty shallow story and character, to be honest with you. But, man, visually, there's something about this book that keeps me rolling through those pages. And, uh, you know, a little bit of cheesecake going on, but you know what? There's a lot to see here. And I think, you know, with the graphic violence, just the Tucci art, even on the second viewing, looking at it through a 2021 lens, I still dig it. I got to be quite honest. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because like when I was trying to connect to the character as I'm reading throughout, this is a very dark, very introspective oh, yeah. character. She's very focused on the vengeance, and it seems like half of her, you know, internal monologue is pulled from like Japanese war texts written by sub general centuries ago. Like that's a lot of what she's talking about, and like she gets very philosophical in a lot of ways like for example listen to this sleep the dark river in which we bathe our souls nightly while in the still waters at the bottom a great fish lies smiling knowing that he swims too deeply and too wisely for the fisherman ever to catch huh whoa (laughs) and that's just her lying naked in a bed you know what i'm saying that's what she's thinking and so it's stuff like that where i'm just like i don't feel like i i understand you know that you're looking back and you're saying okay you had family members that were murdered and that is with you you know that's like a real sad thing and so now you're going out you're getting 
exact vengeance, but I never feel like she has a dual identity. Like it's just like she's either has the makeup on or she doesn't have the makeup on. She's holding a sword or she's not holding a sword. But either way, the character kind of feels the same, except for two moments that I read in these in these issues. One is where she's on a rooftop ready to assassinate somebody, and this little kid shows up. It's very much Batman Begins yes. and every oh, other. Yeah you know, superhero movie of a certain era where the kid just comes up, he's like, hey, what you doing? She's like, um, I'm playing pretend. <laughs> yeah, pretend to be somebody I'm not. And he's like, oh, and he's like, well, my mom won't let me play up here. She says it's dangerous, all this stuff. You know, she has like a little smirk and smile on her face of that. Okay, 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 there we go. She's a human being. Kids make her happy. That's nice. And then later on, she ends up going on a, a date with a detective that is investigating these she killings. And during that, he's embarrassing himself by, you know, dropping food on all over his tide, whatever. And so they kind of make some jokes back and forth. But like those moments are so few and far between. I'm, this gal would not be a fun conversation at a party. I mean, she's no, no, kind no, of a no, one track no, mind. Yeah, it's it's very empty. And like you said, all the, the drama leading to her back history and her, you know, her relationship to the warrior within, you know what I mean? All her training and her spirituality. It's, it's way, way, way too much. It's a little bit overwrought, I would say. You know, the dialogue really doesn't match up with what's on the page page you got this lady and you know the book starts out and she's like sitting buck ass naked in front of two swords and then she gets so aboard a boat and if you've ever been aboard a boat paddling standing up completely naked let me tell you something you're a tough person adam <laughs> you, you are a tough person especially when the winds and the good old waves are crashing down holy cow that's a tough lady yeah but uh, you know you say it's a little bit overwrought there i agree and yet so many people seem to want to pick up this book possibly because of the art. So tell me, Chris, you mentioned that it was something that was compelling to you. What was it about Billy Tucci's art? What is he doing in this book that is exciting to you that gets your attention? So he does a magical job of drawing she. I think a lot of Billy Tucci's work that I'm seeing, especially in the, you know, the early pages of she, and it changes. So if you get to see a transformation in an artist from issues one through four, which we're covering here, I think we get to see a different Billy Tucci every single issue. I, I don't know if it's the inker. I don't know if his style he's adapting, but it's clear a lot of his work is referenced, Adam. You get to, because, you know, he gets these beautiful, and I mean beautiful photos of a Japanese woman in she. There's a lot of great poses and all that stuff but when he's left to his own devices and having to do like a pose that wouldn't necessarily be seen in a magazine or on a movie screen he struggles a little bit just take a look at that opening scene where he's drawn her naked in the boat it's really really gumpy like the artwork is up and down i would say it's inconsistent that's what i would say and i think there's a lot of photo reference going on here especially when he does a lot of the historical work so you get to see a lot of like ancient architecture you know some yeah and he pulls like images from japanese tapestries and paintings and things like that that he's mixing in literally like while she's battling somebody you have this ancient Japanese warrior from an, you know, an old piece of art that's mixed in behind her and things like that yeah, yeah. And, and and what's funny is that you, you know that he's drawn the characters up front and you get to see like you know, some of them are really loose. Like when you get to see the gangsters, their visuals are pretty basic. And it seems like something out of a 90s, you know, image book. But then all of a sudden you get these heavily photo referenced faces of like the police. And you're like, geez, I know that guy from a movie. You know, I've seen this <laughs> character before. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really, really, really lifelike in some scenes. And it, it just goes up and down. What's interesting over the course of the 12 issues, you know, he actually strays away. He gets someone to do the backgrounds for him. And then Billy Tucci actually takes a break and somebody else actually picks up the gauntlet by the end of issue 12 you know oh. what I mean yeah oh yeah it really becomes uh, now he gets like people like Jimmy Palmiotti jumps in on issue number 3 doing some inking by issue 4 he's inking almost the entire book so this book transforms over the course of 12 issues and it's almost if you read issue 1 and then read issue 12 it's unrecognizable the differences in the book like it becomes like almost a computer generated comic by the end of it Billy Tucci said this was a movie script in his mind and I will say it is <laughs> very cinematic it is laid out like i like the page layouts i like the settings he creates and things like that you're gonna love this adam you know what this is what? this is ninja 3 the domination that's what we're seeing. <laughs> i have it over here on vhs on my shelf i got the big box that's what i'm saying baby yeah. it's it's magic just like that movie absolutely <laughs> so the coloring for me is is a little bit of a struggle to enjoy because to me it's what i call colored pencil it's exactly what it is but not even good colored pencil this is your dollar 
dollar shop two dollar package of of coloring leads you know what i mean but what's interesting about the coloring just like i said about the art they switched to computerized coloring in issue number three they got rid of the colorist and now the computer takes over and it's done by comic color starting in issue three so it was actually someone with pencil leads in the first two issues i'm telling you but it definitely looks a lot better like you said by issue four you're like oh, okay this is beautiful that like you said the palmiati inks really make a difference oh, yeah. and everything else now the other question that is okay maybe it's the plot you know you reference ninja three the domination <laughs> you know like a movie is is it the plot that is pulling us in that make is there a mystery there that makes you want to know more now this is what i found a little bit inconsistent with the plotting at least at the beginning which was we eventually find out she's on a mission of vengeance but her first act that we see her in the costume and out for justice on the streets is there is a female cop who's being attacked by some criminals that clearly lured her into an alley and then she goes in and just slaughters this gang she destroys them and you're just like okay but what does that have to do with her journey because her journey seems very focused like i'm here to get vengeance on the gang leader you know the head of all the crime that killed my family but that first kill or many kills just felt like okay but is that kind of straying off your path i I don't know it was was kind of odd to me yeah and the graphic violence was this the first time that she actually you know took it in her own hands to you know showcase blood because she's really really good at it and you know you never really get to see she in danger until really issue four she's really slaughtering people wholesale there's no regard for human life like you said there was a moment in this book where she's about to assassinate someone with an arrow and the child reaches her on the on the top of the roof and she sort of stops cold and you got this dichotomy of like you know you've got this you know this vengeful killer who's on the roof, who's taken out entire gangs, and all of a sudden she stops, and you get to see that moment of human reflection, we'll say, in this character. And and I tell you what, we are giving this way too much credit, because I don't think that's the intention at all. I think it's, uh, you know, show me your ass basically. (laughs) Really? Okay, so you think that he was... Because I think Billy Tucci was very earnest in what he was creating. I think he knew that he had, you know, something special in the character design, but I think in his mind he's creating a story that is very deep and soulful and all that. You know, it it is. It's very much, it feels like, you know, any either, you know, cop drama or kind of superhero film of this era, like The Crow, very specifically, because you kind of have these cops that are the ones on the ground, like following the murders, following the violence and the case that's happening. So you kind of go between all the cop and procedural stuff, which nobody wants, but then that fills up, you know, a big part of of an issue. And then you get a flashback and then you get one big act of violence and then you get a little bit of time with the villain and the main villain to know that he is bad because we know she hates him for some past transgression. Yes. But we see him walk into an alley where there's a homeless man and just stab him for impudence because basically just saying in the old days, you know, a a feudal lord could choose to do this anytime he wanted if somebody was impudent to him and just kill them. And then she shows up after the villain leaves and holds the man in her arms as he dies. But you're just like, wow, okay. I think she actually finishes killing him. I think he's still alive at this point and suffering. And I think she actually finishes him off. I think she continues to stab him. So this poor guy who just got (laughs) impaled by this supervillain, you know, finally you've got this angel of mercy, you know, this wonderful looking, you know, basically samurai in a thong comes to save you. And you're like, thank God, I'm saved. Then all of a sudden he gets stabbed. He's like, what? (laughs) The main villain brings in kind of these mini bosses to fight her. So throughout the issues, you know, okay, here's a new guy in a suit with a sword. He's going to attack you. Here's a guy who was in prison. We got him out of prison so that at least you think at first he's the one being called in to fight she but then the villain's like no 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 i want to kill you and you're like what so that they fight and he destroys him so it's kind of like setting him up is like okay he's not just a, a bad man in a suit who can kill homeless people he could kill actual you know trained killers as well yeah i like this so you got the the bad guy masahiro arashi that's his name so you picture this bad guy so i mean this guy he's your slick rob liefeld style villain he's got uh you know he's got the long ponytail very he's, his gideon. Whole, yeah oh yeah very very gideon with black hair 
He's got tattoos all over his body. He's badass and he kills relentlessly and he's surrounded by, you know, basically a group of thugs that he really doesn't need. He sort of just keeps them around him as fodder to do his bidding, but he ends up taking care of business himself all the time, which is an interesting thing. And uh, are you familiar with how this wraps up? No, I mean, I I don't know what their final showdown involves. Why don't you tell me? Okay, so this one wraps up. So when you get to issue 12, so she and, uh, you know, Arashi finally have their big face off. Now, they're sort of, you know, off and on throughout the 12 issues, but, you know, they really have their, you know, their battle royale there at the end. And right at the very end, you know, she does not kill him. She actually spares him and sends him to the police, where he fesses up to all the she killings. So every person that she killed, he relents in defeat. And he takes responsibility for all the killings and goes to jail and Mm. lets she off the hook. Interesting. Like you said, this is more of a procedural drama. And it's basically very, very paint by numbers. So, you know, the bad guys, you know, beat up a homeless guy or a cop in the alleyway. And, you know, she comes to the rescue, a la Batman. You know what I mean? It's it's very basic. And the police are like, who is responsible for these killings? Who's killing all the gang lords? And they, they phrase it, the she killings. And this gets around in the media. And, you know, the police are being pressed to find out the answer and they're slowly uncovering that Anna is responsible for this so they find out early on maybe in issue three that her hair and I don't know how they linked her hair to the crime scene because the she DNA really, evidence the DNA evidence <laughs> you know was found at the crime scene and I mean when you think of she she's not exactly hiding her DNA because this lady is going around basically buck ass naked <laughs> you know with the exception of a pair of boots and a very light top and uh, you know she has long flowing hair so you know finding some of her DNA is not not really going to be a problem at these crime scenes. So, you know, these cops are really keystone cops when you think about it, because, you know, they're really, really not looking at the big picture here when it's pretty obvious. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. You know, she's half Japanese and half American. So there is kind of that mixed heritage going on. In fact, like you see her at one point, she's praying, you know, in a Catholic church and she's working all that. But then on the same side, she's talking about all the traditional, you know, Japanese beliefs and, you know, what the lily represents and all these different things right. you know so like so she's in between the two worlds and so i thought that was it was kind of neat to see that, that could be played with on whatever level and i know that tucci said in his wizard interview something about you know that she's struggling with those beliefs of a christian to not kill but then yes. the beliefs of honor that go with her samurai ways and, the, and the, that she must kill in some cases for the sake of honor so that's an interesting dichotomy i don't know that that comes through very clearly in these issues but the one question we have to answer Chris then and you've alluded to it I think several times throughout this conversation but Wizard was trying to sell us that she was not just a bad girl but was it just the sex and violence that was selling this book in your estimation is there anything else do you think people were grabbing on to I don't think anybody is going to pick this up as you know a Japanese uh, history artifact let's put it that (laughs) way I think what's going to grab you is uh, you know that uniform that uh, that violence you know what I mean that cheesecake sex is is really what sells this book. However, you asked me earlier what, what I felt the difference was reading it back in, you know, 94 in regards to what I feel about it in, in 2021. When you really, really read the text and understand it, Tucci is really, really presenting, you know, a, a, a real deep story when you look at it. He's not just throwing this character out there, you know, in, in a ridiculously, I would say, very, very non-present uniform. <laughs> Basically, he's, he's really trying to fill in a backstory. And despite what you see on the page there's some really really deep subtext going on here and uh, I think that's what I took out of it the last time I'm thinking like this is a lot more of a deeper story than I ever thought it was when I considered why the original reason that I bought this thing so yeah as you as you yourself mature and then you could look and see okay what was there to connect with in a totally different way and I would say like for me I don't think I would have made it past issue four reading this one just because I do need my main protagonist that I read to have a little bit of a sense of humor to have a little bit of quirk to them and i don't i feel she's a little too straight ahead this is my mission this is what i'm doing and i saw the formula very early on with these you know first four issues so i was like yeah i don't think this is for me but i i do think that yeah there is like like you say that extra layer that you can go to especially if you are somebody who enjoys japanese history you can be like ah okay good good it does feel like it was uh you know done by a college student who was studying japanese history you know so they're not quite seasoned in their understandings of things but at least they want to apply what they have just learned because they're so excited about it but that's not to say that billy tucci hasn't put together a very compelling 
compelling comic book for a lot of people. You know, I'm, I'm in no way saying this is a bad comic. Like, I think it has elements of it that work and I think could be expanded on. And it seems like that's kind of what happened. Because as I recall, like you said, by the end of, you know, the 12th issue, Tucci isn't even in the picture anymore. He's handing it off to other people. And it just seems to go that way. Like, there's all these She miniseries and crossovers oh and it just goodness. really, everybody wanted to draw She. They wanted to get their hands on that character and have an opportunity to do their version. So I think that speaks a lot to, you know what, just come up with a good character design. A lot of people are going to want to participate. I, and uh, you know what? I think the character design is solid. Yeah, you know, you can say what you want, that it's scantily clad and all this type of stuff. But it's a great design. It looks great coming off the, you know, coming off the page. It really, really, of course, is embedded in sexuality, but it's it's pretty damn cool. What do you think of it? Do you like it yourself? Yeah, I mean, you look at the costume and you're just like, yes, it's skimpy, but just yeah. the design is very compelling. Like, it's it's it not is. it's not like 100% sexual. You can just be like, no, 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 that's a good design. It just works. It's, it's a recognizable character. I will always recognize she. No matter who draws her, that character is very, very recognizable and you can market it, and he has. So way to go, Billy Tucci. So here's where we're going to shoot holes in that entire theory we just said that, you know, it wasn't a sexual book. <laughs> so if, if you go to pick up she and Vampirella, oh my Adam, oh my goodness. <laughs> Now, if you've seen a Vampirella comic, especially the 70s stuff, you know what you're in store for, okay? Yes. There's, 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 when, when you talk about lack of story, uh, most people don't even realize that there's words on a page, that, that there's even text involved. It is that, you know, graphic when it comes to the actual sexuality on the page. And when you pair she up with Vampirella, well, there you go. You know, that, that's another story altogether. But <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for story, there is one there where he, or she teams up with Daredevil, which is actually a really, really good story and probably one of the most compelling crossovers you're going to see with the character so you know both ends of the spectrum if you're looking for the cheesecake get vampirella and she if you're looking for the action hero daredevil and she there you go awesome very very cool well chris thank you so much for joining us of course people can find you on the interwebs they want some advice on other she projects to look into i'm sure they'd be excited to talk to you and uh, again thanks for being part of this edition of robin's reading rainbow all right, now it's time to get to know our top 10 heroes and villains of the month. Ooh, and there's Zangief at the top of there, just staring down at me, gritting his teeth. Uh, he was a good part of the movie, though. Anywho, let's see if anybody has changed places here. Number one is still Spawn, and wouldn't you know it, Spider-Man is at number two. Number three is Wolverine. And number four is Gambit. So we have two X-Men here now on the first page, moving Batman all the way to number five. Ah, poor guy. Pitt is hanging in at number six. Lady Death is here at number seven. Are you ready for some sexism? Let's get into it, guys. Without her two best, uh, her best assets, Lady Death here wouldn't be as popular as she is, but she's got them. So she's still riding high on the current bad girls trend, which is now making Wonder Woman popular. How the hell did that happen? Aside from her more obvious assets and them neat pupilless eyes, LD is also mondo hot thanks to the release of the new Evil Ernie Revenge miniseries out right now, in which she plays a major role. Will she hang on to the charts? From the looks of things, yeah. She's still leading the pack as far as bad girls go, Vampy, She, Lady Rawhide, and such are close behind, and her upcoming new solo miniseries, Lady Death, Between Heaven and Hell, beginning in February, pretty much guarantees her a regular spot on the charts. Number eight is Vampirella, like we said. Number nine is She... And she says here, it looks like somebody made she here reads some recent installments of Wizards Top 10 Heroes and Villains. Either that or she just caught the Marvel Action Hour, which should be named the Marvel Action 5 Minutes, since that's as long as anyone can watch that show. So anyway, thanks to Bill Tucci's excellent stories and art, she is one of the spiffier reads out there, and the lead heroine is turned into more than just another pretty face. Expect she here to start climbing the market prominence ladder pretty soon as fans start to really pick up on how good her book really is. And hey, go read the Bill Tucci interview on page 42 it's good stuff so yeah i think it's interesting that they themselves recognize that they were objectifying she in the last issue calling her this kind of babe that kind of babe like they knew what they were doing just play to the crowd i guess all right number 10 now is rogue we always got to get somebody new on the charts so she's it this time around here's what they say did you notice how all the goyles this month are lined up like a third grade birthday party all the boys on one and all the girls on the other come on kids 
mingle, play some fun party games like pin the tail on the fanboy, musical pants, or tonsil hockey. Is it me or is this month's top 10 particularly offensive? I wonder how many readers we lost this time. Anyway, let's welcome Rogue to the charts. Thanks to her presence in Marvel's X-Books and her own well-received limited series, Rogue seems poised to start making some waves on these charts. How high can she climb? Seeing as how she's got one of them hip-hop, hip-hop? <laughs> one of those hip-hop X-Belt buckles, our guess is as far as she wants. So yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> they are fully aware that they are just trying to hit their damage control meter. It's, it's kind of crazy. All right, now let's jump in and check out the Mort of the Month. <laughs> This time around, we got another team. It's Team America. Team America? Even the spider clone laughs at these guys. You see, Hydra, that loser bunch of bad guys bent on world domination, tried to create a race of mutants with an experimental mutagenic compound. They didn't know the Marvel Universe would later consist of nothing but mutants. When they didn't see results, they canned the project. Years later, Team America developed their secret powers. And what, you ask? Were their secret powers? Brace yourself, true believer, because this one's a doozy. By using a combined mental link, they could create a guy dressed all in black the Black Marauder, who could drive a motorcycle and pop wheelies and stuff. What pushes these guys over the top of the dung heap, however, are their highly inventive names, Honcho, Wolf, and Are You Ready? Are you a jackass? Like, literally, it's R.U and then Ready, R-E-D-D-Y. One gun, three bullets problem solved. <laughs> oh, that's harsh, wizard. What I find interesting about this is it was basically Captain Planet on motorcycles, or if you are anyway connected to Marvel's new universe, Cyforce, where they could all project this character out of the their combined powers. But yeah, so we're going to get some laughs here for more of the month going forward. And that does it, geeks. Another edition of Wizards Half in the books. Thank you so much for joining us on this mini episode. And hey, we want to throw this out to you. Let's make it a little more interactive. If you have a suggestion for something that you would like to see added to our mini episodes, then go ahead and drop us a line at wizardscomics at gmail.com, on Twitter at wizardscomics, or Instagram at wizards underscore comics. We would love to make these editions of the show a lot more exciting for you. So if you like the contests, awesome. If you like the top 10 heroes and villains coverage, great. If you want us to talk more about the top 10 comics, or some of the comics that were coming out each month, we can add those in. If there's something you want us to get rid of because you just can't stand it, let us know. This is kind of a fluid collection of different segments that we can add, but we are looking forward to having more guests on in the future uh, to kind of spice things up a little bit. But otherwise, we want to thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.